Did you know that Kinda Dating Now has merch? Yep, we collaborated with tpublic.com to create t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, iPhone cases, and so much more. Picking up one of our items is a great way to support the show and grab some swag for yourself. So swing over to tpublic.com or follow the link in the description of this episode to grab yours today. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast, where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is Gen Z hookup culture. What is it all about? Let's find out. Hey, hey, friends, I'm Natasha Chandel. You're listening to Kinda Dating. You know what I'm going to ask you to do? Please, for the love of God, leave us five-star rating wherever you get this podcast. Also, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. What? Why have you not? Please be our uh, our friend and subscribe and tell your other friends because that's how we grow. Um, we're also on social media, so make sure you follow us. We're at Kinda Dating across the board. Our Instagram is very funny, if I may say so myself. Um, so check us out there. And I am at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha.Chandel on TikTok, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter. Um, Aisha's not here with us today, but she is at Aisha Says Dance across the board. All right, guys, I have a really, really special guest here today because um, not only is she cool and Indian, uh, like your host extraordinaire, um, no, but she uh, has a really cool um, background and focus on research. And I know you guys love the sort of research data-driven episodes. So uh, I think this one will be really interesting for you. So I want to introduce dating and relationships researcher and professor from Pace University. She is the author of The Current Collegiate Hookup Culture, Dating Acts, Hookup Scripts, and Sexual Outcomes. Guys, say hi to Aditi Paul. Hi. hi. Asha, hi, kind of dating fam. So excited to be here. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, first, we ask every guest the same questions. We have to ask you before I jump into anything else, which is single or in a relationship. Mm, mm. Okay, we're starting up strong. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, single with conditions apply. <laughs> hey, what are the conditions? I like that answer. We're going to get to know about that answer at the very end of the episode. So I have you with me. Like if you are interested in my morbidly boring life, (laughs) just stick around. I'll tell you. I have a feeling it is not boring at all. (laughs) I want to know how much of all of your research like applies to you. (laughs) All of it. Why do you think I did this? It's all of it. It's just me trying to intellectualize all the all the kinkiness that I have in me. It's just that that's the honest truth. What can I tell you? Oh my gosh, I love it. So is is that what sparked this sort of the focus on this specific thing of like Gen Z hookup culture or hookup cultures in general? Like what was it? Just that, you know, like uh, I mean, hookup culture in general. Um, so I I have 
just like everybody, everybody has been on Tinder at some point, whether it's for a day, whether it's for a year, whether it's for two years and then you delete it and then you come back to it. I've been there. So when I was in graduate school, I was on Tinder. And this was a time when I had completed my course load, got a job, had like five months to fool, fool around in Michigan. So I was like, okay, let me just check this Tinder thing out. And I had a lot of fun um, on it. And that kind of sparked my interest on like, how are people using Tinder? And then as I continued doing my research, by the way, my research was in online dating uh, and has been for a while. Um, I just wanted to pursue that that line of thought that, OK, people are saying that we use Tinder for hookups. So like, what the heck is a hookup? And how is Tinder changing the already dominant hookup culture that we have in college campuses? And are my lived experiences different than these young kids who are apparently digital nomads and they are born and raised with these apps? I migrated into these apps. So I just wanted to pursue that curiosity and boom, we have a book. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool. So this is a fun fact that I don't even think a lot of people on the show know. Um, I, uh, you know, produced this episode at one point called Date Night In. And I, I uh, the pitch was like, we, you know, explore dating cultures in different cities. And I did the sizzle episode, like 20 minutes in India, in uh, Bombay. And, oh, wow. uh, and I told people like, oh, it might surprise everybody that Tinder is very popular in Mumbai. And, oh, yeah. uh, and it's like, you know, people think, oh, very conservative Indians and all that kind of thing. But I was like, people are wild out there. And there's all kinds oh, of gosh. like hookup stuff going on. And I know we'll, we'll get to that later, because I know that you have a whole aspect in your mm-hmm. studies about how international students fit into this picture. But let's start with some of sort of your key findings, right? Um, you have a, you talk about dating apps, hookup scripts, sexual outcomes. What are some like key findings that you can kind of throw at us? That Gen Z <laughs> is not as woke as they think they are. Uh, and, and, and this is a very highly controversial statement that I made, but hear me out because there is data to prove it. The first finding that that surprised me was even with the popularity of dating apps, right? Like people nowadays, Gen Z, using a dating app is like using Instagram. They they have multiple social media applications on their phone. They have multiple dating apps on their phone. So over 70% students use dating apps, but only 25 of them, 25% of them said that they met their hookup partners through dating apps. So they are on dating apps, but if when it comes to hooking up, they're still hooking up with people who they know through their nexus of friends, which I found it very interesting. Mm. So they're almost mm. using dating apps as like this time pass, like, you know, entertainment. They, they're not taking it very seriously. Just like we so don't it's take... Not like, it's not like they're using it to... Because um, like they want to meet a potential partner. Like they wouldn't use it for a hookup. They're just like using it, like you said. They're just using it recreationally. Yeah, they're just using it recreationally as is. Uh, And if something comes off it, something comes off it. So it's not like they're those horny, frustrated human beings who are like, "Mm, I have a boner situation on a Saturday night. Let me just go on Tinder and fix that. No, they're not doing that. Uh, They are just there to 
to have a good time because they're bored. And if they are too bored, they're going to go for a right swipe. And if from that right swipe, something like, you know, sexy, sexy happens, it happens. But they're not going there with the motivation of hooking up. And they do prefer hooking up with people who are there in their network of friends. So they they want that comfort. They want that um, already like established knowledge about their, about their partners, not like complete strangers. So that's something that surprised me. Another thing that surprised me was Gen Z is not having as much sex as we think they are. Um, they're yeah, that most- was a surprising fact of, of, yeah the research that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I should also say that when, when you see these results, there's so many ways to interpret it. Like you see somebody say that, Oh, out of, out of a hundred students, 59 of them said that they just made out, like they just did upper body stuff and the rest either had oral sex up a small percentage, just had oral sex, but a larger percentage compared to oral sex had penetrative sex and you see these results and you're like mm, like you know gen z and like uh is is so is, is so conservative like compared to millennials and gen x and boomers who were just we were just wiling out um and and that's not the case because we never sexted because we never had that technology. So they're expressing their sexuality through their identity. They're using digital communication to do something sexual. So there are different ways of expressing your sexiness rather than just engaging in sexual interaction with another person. So that's one part of it. And the other part of it is they're really anxious human beings. And COVID-19 has not helped that at all. Uh, They were anyways reluctant to foster a face-to-face communication and now given COVID-19 that apathy or that apprehension of having a conversation forget about sexual communication has has really impeded their drive so multiple ways of looking at it not just concluding the fact that oh Gen Z is just conservative that's not the case Yeah, it was interesting because when I, um, people were surprised when I said this to them. So like my early, early sort of uh, research into Gen Z, I realized um, that generation is very, is much more into monogamy than Mm -hmm. I think the millennial generation is. And I always said it was probably because millennials were the the only real generation that in our formative years were given technology in the middle. So we had options suddenly Mm -hmm. where it mustn't be that um, entertaining. Like then it becomes entertaining. You're like, ooh, I wonder what's out there. But when you already wake up and you're born with options, you're not, you're less inclined to explore options. You're kind of like, oh, I already know that there are options. I just want what's right for me. And so Gen Z was kind of the technology baby. Like they were born with phones and Mm -hmm. internet and all of that. Um, That's not dial up. (laughs) Um, Oh my gosh, that noise. It's weird in my brain. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, we were probably like babies. Like I was still super young, but but the point is like, I remember that, right? I remember internet being so slow at one point. And these guys- Okay, here's the, here's a deep cut. Do you do you know if I tell you what is ASL? Would that make sense to you? Uh, ASL doesn't, but what is that? ASL is age, sex, location. Did you ever have that? Did you ever have that? <laughs> no, I. 
Yeah. I oh my gosh. I was you a wild that. child. I was a wild child in sixth grade where we just got the internet and we had these things called the 20s chat room and the 30s chat room in yahoo and you could create an avatar and and you could just have like have a conversation with anybody from across the world and they would not know who you are so i was perennially 18f santa monica when i was literally 14f calcutta india and i cosplayed so much and the other person was also lying and we had intense conversations let me tell you like we i did not need porn i just was learning on the job and this was me in 6th grade like talk about having no idea about internet safety um and it was just like here you've given this extremely powerful tool to an extremely inquisitive child um what does the child do find herself in the darkest corners of the internet um and i'm so glad that i didn't get hurt or like you know something really bad didn't happen but i totally remember that where like right now we're having conversations about safety and it's getting into the the social consciousness but we didn't know any better like we oh, just we didn't know didn't. we didn't like um and 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 our boundaries if you may were very loose and and we were very naive and in that naivete um yeah we we got into explorative relationships that gen z is more aware that they shouldn't be um and and you can absolutely uh, ascribe it to the fact that they are digital uh, nomads sorry digital natives yeah, and yeah. we are digital immigrants where we migrated from this land of no option <laughs> to the land of infinite option and we didn't know anything how to make that transition yeah cuz i uh I, cause I wonder often, like I always ask why I'm like, Oh, I wonder why, why are people doing this? Why is this happening? And so, you know, when you say that, um, they would prefer to meet somebody like IRL at a mm-hmm. party and on a campus versus an app, I almost think of it like a safety, like maybe it's oh, yeah. mm-hmm. at least when it's at a party, they know the connection of how, yeah. how this person got here right. because they're more aware that on apps you can be anybody. Yeah. And they're also, I mean, I've, I've also talked to students about this and this is not related to research. This is just me having random conversations with them um, in class. And there is this, this, this need for them to have meaningful relationships and not knowing how to find them. So they capitalize on these opportunities as, as means to foster these meaningful relationships. So it seems like they are looking past this, this hype on number of followers, shallow ties to deeper ties. Mm -hmm. And that is very refreshing. And, And you can see that across the board, like the the cry about authenticity um where tiktok has made it so so normal for people to show like for women to show our stretch marks and not always living our best life energy that's exhausting that's exhausting like that's almost like the mom jeans of fashion where it's passe you bought it but we're not um so there is a regression in in the values that they hold dear and it seems like um they it's it's regressing toward that time where traditional values are are taking over. Mm-hmm. So even if you are LGBT, you want to go for an LGBT monogamous relationship than just like uh, having a whole bunch of casual relationships. 
Wow. Yeah. Cause, cause I do remember a little bit of your research and it said that, um, you know, that gender differences are becoming obsolete, right? What did you mean by that? So there are two camps of thought who argued that men will have a higher desire um, to have sex than women. And uh, one of those camps was the evolutionary psychology camp where they said that, you know, men were hunters and gatherers and they were the people who would who were responsible for uh, continuing their lineage. So, of course, the drive of men to disseminate their mancooties uh, across the board <laughs> would be higher versus women. They're looking for the most fit partner. And I'm not just talking about financially fit. I'm talking about physically fit, everything like they want their progeny to to be in safe hands so they're more selective and plus a nine-month incubation period all of those things reduce um women's drive to have sex um and the second part was the social stigma that we have on female sexuality the sexual double standard that for men it's okay to have premarital sex but for women um they are they're slandered for it. But thanks to medical advances where we can have sex without getting pregnant, um, thanks to the feminist movement like Me Too, like Slut Walk, like Megan the Stallion and Cardi B, everybody trying to embrace the female sexuality, destigmatizing female sexuality and the expression of the same has plateaued the count body count between men and women where if women are sleeping around, they're sleeping around. Um, but one way where women ourselves, we self-censor is the way we talk about our sexual experiences. Mm. So women's locker room talk and men's locker room talk is very different. Even when we are talking to other women. Um, so just the other day, and me and my friend, she is a sexual sex professor at uh Cal State Fullerton and she says how she talks in very graphic terms <laughs> about her about her sexual life so like she said um you know I was on a I was at brunch and then as my girlfriends were eating brunch I was like do you guys like rimming like do you do you rim and, <laughs> and I love that Right. And like her girlfriend was girlfriend said, like, can we like not talk about it? Like, can I just have my cop salad? And 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 that just shows that and I'm not I'm not saying that we need to like come out and like talk about ourselves in more explicit terms, but subconsciously at some point we 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 have that self-stigma that mm -hmm. I need to like self-censor. Um, and that is evident in how Gen Z women talk about their sexual experiences. So they were more likely to use words like things happened, um, one thing led to the other, um, versus men were more likely to use less abstraction. So they would say, we had awesome sex. We fucked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like just I like, ate her out. Like ate her out. Like she had earth shattering fucking sex. Like girl, yeah. she was, she was possibly faking it, but sure. Um, <laughs> no, um it's, it's such an interesting point because, and, and that's something I'm personally very passionate about because, uh, on the podcast, I always say like, I'm very sex forward, you know, where, where they see women in our culture, it acts like me, 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 you can't, but it's mm -hmm. also in every culture, like, oh, women yeah. can't have sex. And mm -hmm. I always talk about like, I've had a lot of sex. Mm -hmm. I, in another episode, I was just saying, I'm like, man, I've sucked a lot of dick in my life. And mm -hmm. 
the even the guest was like mm. and I was just like and they were a sex coach I was like it's okay like I don't care and like I talk about it with my boyfriend I'm like you've done a lot of your shit like why am yeah. I gonna act like all chast and yeah. stuff you know right and, I, and the fact I that know, and the fact that I'm giving you a good head is because I've had practice like exactly that's, exactly I've taken it as a learning moment like yes. and but but I know like I've also struggled around other women, like even the content, I'm a TV writer. I always say like, oh, my, my characters are pretty sex forward. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm creating kind of like a, you know, a a new female superhero. She's very sex forward. My point is like, guys aren't apologetic. Why should I be apologetic? And I always say on the podcast, like, don't have sex because you are trying to convince somebody to like you or whatever. Have sex whenever you want. You know, that could be your first date. That could be a year from now. That could be after you're married. Whatever Mm -hmm. it is, it's when you want. So then we don't feel this guilt that like, oh, somebody took something from me. Because, you know, it's always like the the language is you took her virginity. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but you didn't take anything from me. I gave it to you. And then after that, there's no fucking, there's no marker. It's already, I've already, uh, like, I've already had dick break, penetrate. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't at that point feel like I need to keep up with this virginity fucking bullshit, you know? And And then after that, I was like, fuck it, already one and done. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to have as much as I want. Yeah. And with the way sexuality is evolving, like, how many ways are there to lose your virginity? You know, like, you... I mean, what is even losing virginity? I mean, we have so many different ways to have sex right now. Exactly. I mean, you you know, you just said that you learned so much at such a young age from having internet sex and like there's phone sex, there's oral sex. I mean, kids are having, you know, 11 years or 11 year olds are having like these oral sex parties in bathrooms in high school, in elementary school. 11 year olds. So you're going to tell me you didn't have sex. I'm like, boo boo. That's way more intimate sometimes than actually having. That's correct. Yeah. My students tell me that maintaining eye contact, Natasha, is more intimate than having sex. I'm like, what kind of pretty woman narrative are you living in? Like where? But it is is correct that it's more intimate and and it can feel like sex is this, you know, um, that is some, 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 some of it comes with age, right? Like mm-hmm. I used to be that person that, um, I fucked a lot. I didn't care. And so it didn't mean anything to me. And so I, yeah, I didn't feel a connection, yeah. but looking at somebody in their eyes meant like, oh, I actually had to be vulnerable yeah. and, and give yeah. of myself. And that was yeah. tough because I didn't yeah. want to. And then as I grew older and like actually fell in love and then had sex with somebody that I was in love with, I was like, oh, wow, this feels totally different. Like, I like it even more. Like, <laughs> and, and so that does, you know, change with love and, and all of that, that people that you clearly don't always understand mm-hmm. nor want to, nor should you in college. Um, yeah. But you're right that like women, like we've been trained to feel really bad about it. And I've always laughed. Like I did have a friend, a guy friend who didn't like me or who liked me, but I didn't like him. And because of that, he called me a slut. And wow. and I laughed in his face. I was like, 
how old do you think I am? I said, maybe if I was 15 and you called me a slut, that would have meant something. But at my age, yeah, I'm a fucking slut. It's a compliment. It's a compliment. (laughs) I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't want to have sex with you. And that might make you feel bad. But the slut thing is not going to upset me in the least. I said, if you called me anything, very few words really upset me. But like, slut is definitely not going to be one of them. Um, but even within women, have you noticed that, that like you, you seem like you're very open and, and kind of sex forward and comfortable and talking about all of this. Has it been weird with your like female friends of how, especially Indian girls, right? Not even though I think it's all cultures, but yeah, of of partners and how much and I, I would sometimes, you know, what happens and one of the misconceptions that there is about, about, um, American versus Indian, because those are the two frameworks that I have in my mind. Um, Sometimes, you know, when I was growing up, because we we are fed the Western media so much, and I can talk about my experience, things have drastically changed right now with, you know, social media and like Netflix being everywhere. Our diet is the same. Um, So we are exposed to a lot of the same material. Now, what happens with anything when you have rebellious children, when you are not allowed or when you know that there is friction, if you do this, you want to do it even more. So, you know, as a child or as as a college student, I knew that, oh, you know what, like not everybody's having sex or like not everybody's talking about masturbation or not everybody's talking about like oral sex. You want to do it even more. And we become more Western than people in the West. Um, And this is something that is universal across the board where people over here said that, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that you guys would be like so forward. Because we know how many hurdles we need to cross to even get to a point where you are, right? We have to combat a lot of these institutional forces and a lot of social forces because we have to be answerable to ourselves and our parents and our like, you know, fifth cousin of the second mother. Like there's a lot. So if when you rebel against it, of course, you become more, more liberal than growing up in a society like America where there are no restrictions. You, you, You can do what you want to do um, compared to a a community like the Indian community back home. So in that way, I I would say that I I grew up pretty sexually liberal. Now to answer your question about, you know, with with women, with my friends, um, sometimes I feel like when we say we are unapologetic, right? So we are still putting apology in the center, um, we don't say I'm unapologetically hairy, like, or I'm, I'm unapologetically smart. I know I have a lot of hair. I know I'm smart. So there is no apology associated with it. So, but whenever we talk about our sexuality, we are like, I'm unapologetically sexual. So we're still like orbiting around the fact that, oh, I need to be this. So I'm rebelling against it. Mm-hmm. Let's not use the word unapologetic. Like, I am sexual, period, right? So to to make those linguistic changes because language programs our brain. Um, And sometimes it really does require us to be more vocal because the needle is so far to the left for it to bring to the center requires a lot of push and subtlety does not cut it. So I make a very concerted 
choice of talking about masturbation, talking about sexuality with my friends. And they do the same thing as well. Uh, when we're talking about even condom use, about female sex, like safety, or, or the darker side of sex, that is sexual harassment, sexual assault. Talk about it in explicit terms, because that's what makes it real. Because the more we don't talk about sex, the more we safeguard everything related to sex and that includes the darker side of sex yeah that's a really really good point um I have had the opposite like most of my friends are still much more uh conservative in how they discuss it so I'm kind of the wild edgy one um you we need to be friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we do. I already, I already thought. Like the second I saw you, I was like, "Oh, next time I'm in New York, we have to hang out because I feel like you are uh, exactly the type of person that I would gel with." But um, so, yeah, because uh, even numbers, right? We were talking about prom promiscuity, and uh, my girlfriends back home, because I, I live, I came from Canada in a smaller town and then I moved to New York and then LA. And that said, I was always pretty like boy crazy, admittedly, and always dated and always had somebody. And so they kind of, you know, at one point when I came back from New York after a while, like my, my childhood best friend since I was seven, um, we were talking about how, like, she, I think she's only had two partners before her husband, and that's it. And then there was me, who I joke that I had to, I mean, it's true, I have written guys' names down on a list, because I don't remember. And I need to remember for stories for kind of dating. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn that, like, I had to do that. Like, oh, who yeah. did I just make out with who did I hook up with so I have like little tabs of like who I actually had sex with right. and and it's a long list and I, and I kept that list too but then like you give up at some point oh yeah 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 <laughs> I mean now I've given up because I'm in a relationship but like it's it's there was a time I was embarrassed to say it mm -hmm. to them because to them it was like it was two one was one She's, yeah, you know, been with the same guy since high school, and that was it. And I was like, Ugh. "Well, you know, to each their own, too." Like, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, nothing wrong with any of it. Yeah, and one thing though, I would say, and and this is something that I found out in the research as well. And this is young children, eighteen to twenty-four year olds. Like, you are growing up in the age of sex robots. Like, come on now, because it's one thing to not to not have sex with another person. I completely get that. But my research study shows that out of all the combinations of sex and gen sexual orientation, so like straight male, straight female, bisexual female, bisexual male, gay male, lesbian women, the most sexually conservative in terms of attitudes as well as behaviors, straight women. Like, okay, I understand that you might be religious. I understand you might uh, have reservations to have sex with somebody. But what's stopping us from sexual exploration? The frequency of masturbation is low for straight women. The frequency of watching porn is low. Not, not suggesting you should watch porn. Uh, and I'm totally against the camp that says that porn is just damaging feminism. Not really. There are some ways where you can use porn constructively as well. There are different varieties of porn. Watch it, learn it, explore yeah. yourself. 
Um, because that is the first way, that is the safest way of having sex. And that is the best way of knowing yourself. That is, okay, what do I like? What gets me off? Um, what kind of deranged porn am I looking at? Am I watching that gets me on? Uh, what am I being open, i.e.? Um, and, and, and you don't need to have sex with somebody else, right? Um, those are the ways in which we, we think that like Gen Z, it was so surprising to me that LGBT women are really leading us in the game. Mm. <laughs> Straight women, their their frequency of porn consumption, frequency of masturbation is low. And they're also more likely to experience far less counts in orgasm than gay women. Uh, gay women orgasmed 80% of the time. Straight women, 37%. Make it okay. make sense. This is also because uh, I've dated more than one dude who, yeah. like, I don't fake it. I never do. I just mm-hmm. literally am like, I didn't. And yeah. and it's partially because I think we haven't taught guys, especially younger guys, like, that it takes time to get a girl to go off. Mm-hmm. And girls feel the pressure to just be like yeah it happened yeah, they just they yeah. don't feel bad oh my gosh and I've been there because it used to take me I've definitely talked about this on the show more than once it takes me like 20 minutes oh yeah and I used to think that that was weird Unusual, because yeah. you think you know you see it on media but everybody's yeah. like oh I get a girl off and like five <sighs> minutes I'm like wow how does that happen and so right. I thought it was something wrong with me and I would go to see like my gynecologist and be like, Hey, is this normal? Is wrong? Like <laughs> totally normal. Is something broken? <laughs> yeah. I used to be like, is it, do I need to like concentrate more? Like what's happening? They're like, mm-hmm. Oh no, no, no. It takes 20 to 30 minutes for girls. It's totally normal. Yeah. Um, but when I used to tell guys that, that I used to date or hook up with, they would be like, Oh no, it's you because I've been able to get a girl off. And I used to say, she was faking it. I she promise was you, she was faking it. So this is what the, this is the first guy who I was ever with in 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 America. So like first interracial experience. I'm like, I am here for it. Sign me up. And this guy, no lie, told me, I am really good at cunnilingus. And I'm like, really? Okay, expectations high. And then, okay, Natasha, you have not faked it during sex. I get that. Respect you. People fake it. Yeah. How bad do you have to be that a woman needs to fake her oral sex? You're not even having penetrative sex. I was like, I need to stop this atrocity. Like, this is, what is this? What is this? Um, and I'm like, and, but that was a data point that I gave to his hypothesis that he's really good at cunnilingus. And now he's just walking out with this inflated sense of self that women love me. And I'm like, boy, nah, like this, this, this ain't it. This ain't it. Um, and that was one of the things that, that I found too, that um, 19% of Women reported, heterosexual women reported that their partners reciprocated their oral sex um, versus 44% men said that their partners reciprocated their oral sex. So we are just going down on men, but men are not going down on women. Um, And that's fucked up because apparently when, and this is not apparently, research like accounts of college students show that the straight men are more open to go down on women when they're in a relationship, uh, not with 
when they are doing one-off hookups. Um, but women, that's that's one thing that I really do chalk it up to like porn consumption and, and, and also the socialization that we have. The moment we like see porn, it's like the first thing is they're taking off clothes. And the second thing, if it's a 30-minute clip, 20 minutes, the girl is just blowing the guy. That's, that's what we internalize. Um, and and we don't talk about the fact I have a whole bit in my stand-up about it, that sex on average only lasts 13 minutes. And guys are like, we yeah, go for like an hour. I'm like, fuck you, bitch, you do not. It's everything else. It's everything else. I'll make you come fuck in like three bitch. minutes. Yes. I mean, listen, I mean, you're, let's just, our, our vibrators are, are do. I mean, thank yeah. God for vibrators. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like yeah. <laughs> you can recharge. I like porn, lot. even, even for porn, right. Yeah. They have to fill all this time with everything else that people aren't yeah. paying attention to. They're thinking yeah. sex needs to last an hour. So that's the video yeah. I just watched. And it's like, yeah. no, bitch, they were just sucking dick for like 20 minutes. And then oh sex actually was just four minutes. And then yeah. they go back yeah. to sucking dick again. Yeah. And the woman just climaxed in those four minutes. Like, yeah. <laughs> make it make sense. But yeah, that was, that was, so these are the ways when you ask me, this is like going back to that very first question you asked me, like, is uh, what were the surprising results? The surprising results were like, yeah, we have become, Gen Z has become a lot liberal, but in a lot of ways, they're still subscribing to the age old gender scripts that we are trying to unlearn progressively. And you're right, it will it will come with age because the reason why you're confident right now is because you have been unconfident at some point. And we learn from those experiences and because we were open to those experiences. Um, and it, and it, it has to come with age. Like, for, for God's sake, we're talking about 18 to 24 year olds. They are formative people, formative years. So they're, they're not living in the sexual like euphoria, a drug addicted hellscape that we think they are. They're, they're very, they're regular. <laughs> that actually makes me feel better though, because. Oh, so much. Yeah. That's the part <laughs> about euphoria, which like brilliant show, but I really struggle to watch it because I am a super empath anyway. And then all these sad shows. When I look at like kids, I just remember how hard it was for me. And then yeah. I'm just like, oh my God, was this, is this like 20 times harder for you? Like, are you all drug addicts and trying to kill yourself? And like, I'm like, please don't. Um, They don't use drugs at all. Like it's like less than 20% students said that they use drugs. And even if they use drugs, they use marijuana. I'm like, yeah, relax, relax. Yeah. I want to know is you, you have some interesting research about things like um, sugar dating, Uh, Mm -hmm. right? That was like a really... Uh, interesting fact. Can you tell us what is sugar dating and like, what did you learn? So my, my knowledge of sugar dating was from this one student who I had in my organizational communication course. And oh my gosh, Natasha, if you want to feel, if you want to feel like a pauper, not just poor, a, a whole like fucking pauper, like that girl made me feel that way because she would come to class, like looking all snatched with her Fendi and a Dolce Gabbana. I might have stalked her Instagram and she is fronting on the regular. And I'm like, what is this girl doing? Um, um, and then she was very forward about it. I mean, I didn't ask her like how she is affording that, like in conversation about like stu- uh, college dues and talking about the regular path of life. Yeah. So she said she's the first person from her family to go to college and how she is responsible for footing her own bill and that she does sugar dating. And not just her, her gay friends also do sugar dating. So she's, a, I think she's a straight woman. 
um, but her gay friends do sugar dating. So sugar dating is is nothing but compensated dating, where just like the name suggests, you have a sugar daddy or a sugar mama, and uh, they pay you uh, either through cash or through experiences. Uh, you make quote unquote uh, an arrangement with them where you do X and they give you Y. Now that X could be something called a GFE or a BFE, that is a girlfriend experience or a boyfriend experience, where you go with them to like party or escort them or send feet pictures, do something sexual with them or just have sex with them. And in return of that, they give you an allowance. So that allowance can come in the form of yacht visits or or just straight money or, or gift cards. That depends on what you, what the arrangement is. And on average, students some were bogus numbers, but on average, the median was the $1,500 a month that these college kids make. And if you go to any of these sugar dating websites, like some of them are Seeking Arrangement. Uh, now it goes by the name Seeking. There's another one called Lux or L-U-X-E Lux. Um, and then another one called What's Your Price? And if you go to any of these websites, they'll say uh, at least Seeking Arrangement, they had this huge like U.S. college student debt calculator up which would go up every second and their pitch was take control of your financial future like you can be in a mature relationship where you dominate the terms and also pay off your student debt now the thing is when i ask students why do you sugar date what's the reason most number of students said that they don't use their sugar dating money to pay off their loans. Rather, they use it for discretionary income, like just to elevate their their sense of lifestyle um, because their debt is paid off by the government or their parents. Like they're, they're using all these financial aid to pay that off. But that Gucci and the Fendi and the Prada and the fronting on Instagram coming from sugar daddy money. <laughs> um, so that was very interesting. 14% of students students reported that they do sugar date. Wow. 14%. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, look, I, uh, there's no judgment about it. Is it, oh, no. is it safe? Is it, you know, that's the only part that worries me a little bit. Are there fucking old people creepers that are going after or targeting like young girls? It can be pretty predatorial um, because we are talking about such a power differential in age, in finances. So, yeah, if we are to worry if this gets predatorial or they're taken advantage of, we are right in having that apprehension at the same time just like the awareness we have around consent, the awareness we have around assault, the awareness we have around everything. People who do sugar dating also have that awareness. And sugar dating works similar to sex work, where mm -hmm. your friend does it, so they they bring you into the fold. So like, I'm doing it because my friend did it and she had a good time, so I would do it too. So there is a support group of like sugar, sugar dating sugar babies. There are Reddit groups of sugar babies uh, to negotiate how they create these terms. It's fascinating. It's honestly fascinating. Um, and of course, like, you know, you have things like OnlyFans. The CEO of OnlyFans is an Indian woman, but I mean, more power to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. That's amazing, actually. Yeah, it's so wonderful. Like, you know, can you imagine like flexing that to your parents and them flexing it to their relatives? 
<laughs> like, I mean, my listen, she's minting, she is minting money. She so is minting money. And I'm like, okay, listen, like this is this is getting real, real. Um, but it's becoming much more mainstream, much more yeah. mainstream. Um, because of you know, the way life is getting more expensive, college is not getting any cheaper, living costs are driving up. And women are making 75 cents to a man's dollar. By all means, take those 33, 35 cents. <laughs> yeah, no, sh- I uh, I think that it's, uh, uh, it's very like empowering for people to be able to choose where they're getting additional income and, and any yeah. of that. I Like I said, my only worry is always like, you know, as long as it's not somebody going after somebody underage and- yeah. Uh, that that part like scares me about it, but of course, I think the best way to combat that is just education and and reminding young people in general that they have an option. That just because somebody said that they'll give them a thousand dollars, they don't have to do shit for that. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's yeah. somebody else's grown up choice to give you a thousand dollars to buy a purse. Like you don't yeah. have to offer your body up for that unless you mm-hmm. want to. But again, if you're underage, don't. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and these sugar babies are not exclusively like white straight women. There are a lot of men who are, who are doing sugar, sugar babying, um, probably for older closeted men. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of that too. I mean, you also, um, talked about, uh, I saw on your studies that sexual assault rates are pretty high for guys, which surprised me. Very surprising result for me as well, um, because you know when I looked up the results and I'm like, this this ain't right. Like, what the heck is happening? Um, but but I realized that the 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 sexual assault count and we talk about sexual assault like it's an umbrella term. There are so many layers of sexual assault. So when guys said that they were sexually assaulted, it's lower order sexual assault. There was no coercion involved. There was incapacitation involved, and there was inappropriate touching involved. So one in four, one in five men said that they were touched by their partner sexually without their consent. And and the surprising thing is like, they don't consider this as assault. Uh, people don't consider this as assault because one is the person who was touching them without their consent was somebody who was known to them and they were within a sexual encounter. So if somebody touches you inappropriately, uh, sorry, if somebody touches you sexually, it's like they're making a move on you. It's not like straight out of the blue, somebody's touching you. Mm -hmm. So when, when we talk about like sexual assault cases, we also have to realize that these questions that they said yes to, they didn't realize that they were measuring I was measuring sexual assault cases, um, but that's something that we also need to bring to the fore that, you know, guys will be hazed by their brothers, um, especially in hyper-masculine environments like fraternities and varsities, and think that that's not assault. Hard pill to swallow, but yeah, yeah. So if if we don't wake up to that fact, then when they go ahead and perpetrate that same nonsense to women, um, who's losing at the end of the day? Yeah. And it builds so many um, intimacy issues that people don't realize because their body is still resisting it or saying this was, this isn't supposed to happen this way. Um, But because they overpower that thought with just like, well, I guess I just go along. I'm a guy. This doesn't, you know, guys should be fine with this. Um, And it's not that bad. 
yeah. they're stunting their emotional growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very harmful. So I'm glad. I mean, I, I'm not glad that that uh, that result happened. Of course, like I'm not glad they got assaulted or anything. Um, but it was it was encouraging to see that they're honest enough to report it, even if it's in an anonymous survey. Um, and yeah, I hope that, that this moves it to a to a more productive conversation. Now you uh, talk about the international student thing. We touched on it a little before. Um, I yeah. see you lighting up. So, yeah. <laughs> so tell us, like, what is the the what are the myths between what people think um, international students would be like in America, or how how they play into that the hookup culture in North America? Yeah, I do want to preface it by saying that, uh, like, looking at Americans versus international students as two groups is is reductive because you know you have one country versus 196 other countries so not everybody's experience is the same uh so i do want to acknowledge that that the international students that i accounted for i also asked for their countries it was mostly asia leaning but there were also uh people from uh you know countries in africa and and europe and according to research like your experience in an american college campus will depend on your conversational skills your race you know your gender all of those will affect uh how you socialize in an american college campus so just want to preface it by that another caveat is i had i surveyed 318 students and out of them only 46 were international so really really small group but uh so we i couldn't do like these statistical uh, tests on them. So all that I'm going to say is highly descriptive. So like these are personal accounts and and uh, we should take it with a pinch of salt. What I did notice among international students and the reason why I was excited to measure international students' experiences because I was an international student. And when I came to the US, and this is way back in 2010, I grew up on a very healthy diet of American pie. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to an American campus. There's going to be beer pongs. There's going to be rabbit sex. I'm here for it. That's the American dream. <laughs> I don't care anything else. Like forget about, forget about everything else. And that's the picture that I had. And I always used to think that that's something that I see, not what I participate in. Um, I know people are hooking up, but there is no way for me to participate because I don't have membership at like a cap up Pi, Delta, New Omega. Uh, I was a nerdy graduate student <laughs> who was working on a dissertation. Um, but then I used Tinder. So I thought my hypothesis was I cannot be the only international student who's using Tinder as a tool to socialize and dip her feet into the hookup culture. I thought all international students do that. And I found that that's not the case, that international students meet their hookup partners just like um, uh, 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 American students, like through their network of friends and the people that they hook up with are other international students. So yeah. it's almost like the way I write this in the book is like, you know, if two earthlings go to Mars and see Martians do some Martian shit and they do that Martian shit with each other to be a part of Mars, that's what international students are doing. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's almost like, you know, that's our lived experience where, um, yeah, we celebrate Thanksgiving. It's a, it's a, it's an American tradition. Um, but when I get together, I'm getting together with my other international friends who bring some Iranian food or some like Indian food or some Pakistani food. So we're doing something American with non-Americans to get a taste mm-hmm. of what it is. 
Um, so that was one thing, the one thing that was surprising. And the other thing that was surprising, which I think is a misconception, um, is the fact that international students are not waiting to get to America to have a hookup experience. Mm-hmm. A majority of them have had hookup experience at their home countries. So hookups are not an American product. Um, it's a global product. It's a global culture uh, that Gen Z is participating in where they are engaging in um, situationships or or casual sex with people who they know. I think, you know, some uh, socioeconomic or whatever, geographical maybe, um, context that people forget is America is a baby in comparison to the world, right? America, Canada, where I'm from, um, America is what, 450 years old? Uh, yeah. India, thousands of years. Europe, thousands of years. Um, Middle East, Africa. Most of the world is thousands of years or established for that many years. So um, America, I think, is still learning to find its sexual freedom and its voice and and all of that, where we assume that our countries outside of North America would be more backward. Um, I have always found it to be much more forward than um, than it is here. And, you know, I can only speak from Canada, right? I I grew up in Canada. Most of us there are immigrants. And Mm -hmm it becomes conservative because our families come there and oh, yeah. try to hold on to what they think people are doing back home. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, not they often, yeah, their, their version of India is the India that they left. I mean, the year that they left India. And in. so it's like 1970s India. So when I see like, you know, some of the, and I'm so glad that you brought that up because when I see accounts of like, you know, Lily saying, or like, I mean, Canadian, Amer- I mean, Canadian Indians or uh, American Indians, and they show these portrayals of their parents and, and like the, the values that they grew up in. I'm like, what are you even talking about? Like, I, it's a hard unrelate at this point. Um, but yeah, in some ways we are conservative, but in other ways we are highly liberal. Um, and our liberalness, I truly, truly of the, I'm of the belief that our, our conservative values don't come because we are conservative. Our conservative values come because the system we are working with is conservative. So yeah, it's not that we don't have LGBTQ uh, leaning people, it's criminalized. Of course, it's going to be sanctioned, right? But you have a free system which lets you be who you are. Um, so the sooner the system changes is when it becomes highly evident that we do have very deep-seated liberal liberal values. It's just the people at the top are fucking things up for us. <laughs> it's always it's always that fucking one percent that screws it up yeah. for everyone. Um, yeah. I'm curious, you know. You've done this focus clearly on Gen Zers um, right now. Do you think they're going to change and grow, or do you think this is like how, like what they're going to carry as they get older, and you know that generation is going to be more monogamous and traditional, and that's just the trend. You know, we always want to be the opposite of what the last generation was. Mm-hmm. What do you think? You know, I think we are highly optimistic about how fast we think 
evolution happens. Evolution is really, really slow. Uh, So to think that uh, Gen Z is so different than like millennials, that's not right. That is not right. Like it takes time for a generation to change. Um, So I don't think there is like a huge regression or a complete rehaul that's happening. Um, It's the, they're working with the, with the, forces that have been given to them, right? Like, so we worked our, we changed because the technologies or the culture that surrounded us changed, right? Like we didn't grow up as this like sexual laser fair people with a bunch of dicks in our mouth. Like that, that didn't happen. Like we got Tinder and we became that way. Um, And Gen Z is in for a huge treat with the metaverse (laughs) like we don't even fucking know what that is like at least we were like we were in the same living platform with the internet but now we're talking about a virtual world like what does that even look like um so i i i really don't know what's in store for gen z if they're going to change going to be highly monogamous or they are going to explore monogamy in a new way um if divorce rates are going to spike very high by the 30s because they now have realized that they committed too soon when there is so much more to explore who knows who knows um but one thing i'm confident about is um that gen z is at a much better place to handle technology um than millennials because they're much more mature with their use of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, my nephew is 13 years old and he doesn't have the internet. He reads books. Like, what even the fuck is that? And not just like ebooks, books, books. I'm like, what is that? Like, wow. I was I was feral <laughs> when I was 13. Um, but just to see that change, you know, just to see him being so unfazed, having no FOMO, it's it's very awkward for me. Um, but it's also very reassuring that this guy has got it, right? He knows, he knows what's up. Um, so I am very optimistic with Gen Z's use of technology, but how that will change the way they engage in relationships, we just have to keep studying them. It's so fascinating. It's really, really fascinating. I want one last question as we wrap this out is like, you know, you did what this. What do you think, though? I, I, before your question, what do you think about about how Gen Z is going to change or what's going to happen to them? I think eventually we all uh, evolve. Um, you know, I do find it fascinating that 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 generation is much more mon- monogamous and. Um, I sometimes think I was born in the wrong generation in that sense. I always feel like I probably had a lot of the patterns that um, maybe like late Gen Z, you know, early millennials, kind of like that. Uh, I, I'm much more progressive and and kind of open. But um, I think that right now they're just in a world where they don't know what they're dealing with, you know, like, again, our world grew up with apps and technology in the middle. So it was much more fascinating to us. 
when you take out the fascination of it, it's just is. Mm-hmm. And I think in that isness, they're just um trying to go like, I think these guys fucked up. We gotta, we gotta be the opposite of these fuckers. Like, you know, we always want to be the opposite of our older brother and sister mm-hmm. or sibling. And so I think that's how they see us and are just like, fuck them. Like we're, they're, they're fucking crazy going out there, hooking up with everybody thinking like, yeah, there's so much in the world. And it's like, no, but I think as they explore that, they'll realize like, I hope that they'll find the healthy balance between our shit and their shit and, and find that like, oh, you don't have to settle down at 20, 21, you can still be in a healthy, committed relationship and, right. uh, and explore your options if that doesn't work out and settle down at the right time without the baggage that I think millennials fucking carry. You know, right. I just think we're, uh, we're just a sad, <laughs> I just, I really do. I really think we're the shit storm. We we do we did we we took the the recessions the the (laughs) fucking covids at the same time like how many times can the rug get pulled under us and and like everything being thrown at us in our formative years but also our money growing our 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 earning years so it's like every aspect of your life is screwed I actually think it's great that the like kids in college don't realize right now like oh yeah you went through covid and it fucking sucked that it was during college but thank god it wasn't during the first years of your job because mm-hmm. like that's what i came to america right when the 2008 recession happened and like wow. there was nothing <laughs> You know, and I came with nothing and there was nothing. Um, And that sets you back so much. So anyways, that's a different, uh, you know, economic kind of uh, thing. But I I hope that, I hope that they evolve and don't stay rigid because that's the fun of life, you know, is not. That's that's also something that I worry about because it's, everything is so like, has to be, you're either this or that. Like you were pro-Palestine or anti-Israel or like you're pro this so you have to be under that just this binariness of everything it's funny how like they gun for non-binary but when it comes to thought process they're so binary um so like well, these- i even find the idea of these labels the sexual labels to be very yeah. constricting too right like now everybody has to find what their identification is that could be right. hey i'm pansexual they them i yeah. am a, a lesbian with this and she then yeah the fact that we have to we're saying we don't want labels but are finding the very specific labels for all of us I do think it's helpful I think it helps for us to know and if that that is what um helps you be free totally great I just think of it also as like we're all just putting all of ourselves in boxes why do we need to explain to anybody who we like gives a fuck you want to fuck a whatever person however they identify fuck them yeah right i mean i mean i don't know if <laughs> i ever fucked up trump supporter may have you know but like i have i have <laughs> definitely have i mean i've dated more than one conservative in my life you know there you go there you go and and you might have liked it <laughs> But they're, then, like, they're, they're the same. Do. It's the same dick. You know what I it's mean? A, that's right. And like, it, it's got nothing to do with his political affiliation. But like, had we canceled them 
for that, I mean, who knows? You know what I'm saying? This is a great way to end the episode, by the way. <laughs> but I'm telling concerned. you, I have, I have fucked every combination of a person um, from there all their ethnicities to <laughs> socioeconomic backgrounds to political backgrounds to religions. Everything. I'm like, yeah. you're the, you're the, you're the force that's unifying everybody. Like you're the <laughs> middle ground between Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter, between conservatives and and liberals. Like <laughs> Natasha Tandel is doing the work for everybody. I'm just like, listen, man. There was a time I didn't care and it didn't matter. Yeah. Now, yeah. now as I like, now I'm like, oh, I want a committed relationship. I found like, I have a lot of fr- conservative friends. It doesn't bother me. People can identify as whatever they want. Um, right. I have now just gotten to a point where I'm like, it's too much work for me to, I don't want to, I don't want to debate all the time. Right. There was a time that was like interesting and fun. And now I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody who does whatever like you know i i've dated people who did hard drugs now i'm right. just like mm, i don't want to deal with the outcome right that can happen when somebody has just gone on a cocaine binge um, right. already experienced it you know so mm-hmm. like that's the stuff that uh, i've been pretty open to and like realize what my my preferences are um right. but i hope that that's what the younger generation gives themselves the opportunity to do safely. Um, mm-hmm. But I love that they are much more open to discussions about consent and like, and wrapping it up and like having sex with a condom. I was like, great, good, good for you. <laughs> right, right, right. That's true. I love, I love the moral of the story. Fuck a crackhead, but be safe. Be safe. Exactly. <laughs> Um, other things is such a fun conversation with you. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And uh, it was such a pleasure to to talk with you from <laughs> 13 year old internet sex to sex with uh, conservatives. <laughs> it's the best, best episode ever right now. This is great. But other than you're not totally done. So I'm very curious about what the answers to your six questions will, will be. We ask every guest uh, the same six questions to wrap out the show kind of our rapid fire, um, you know, don't think about it too much. Um, and are you ready? I am, I'm, I'm born ready. Not yes. Ready, but... <laughs> All right, I'll be here are your six questions. Um, what is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Just everything nonverbal about them. Uh, even before they open their mouth, I'm, I'm looking at their hair, I'm looking at their smile, I'm looking at the clothes that they wear. I, I take everything in. I like it. I like it. What is one deal breaker? Lack of effort. Mm, that's a good one. Um, what turns you on? Effort. <laughs> <laughs> missing, yes. Uh, what are one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships? Oh my gosh. My, oh my God. My strength is that I can ha- strike up a conversation with anybody and uh i don't deal so well with silence so i'll just keep asking questions and and host a whole fucking oprah show uh, on my first date uh and the date walks away feeling really good about himself but then i didn't get they didn't get to know me and they didn't take up by that bullet so like i am good at interpersonal communication to a very toxic extent um but that's also the strength that i have that is um 
I I mean, the the more that I've grown up, the the more my give a shit meter for small talk has gone down. So having real ass conversations um, and building a, a level of trust with the person who I like and respect, I think that would be my strength. I love that. What is love? Understanding and acceptance. I like that. Very simple and honest answer. Uh, your last question, Adithi, besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Here's the money. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Get that sugar daddy. <laughs> no, my, my, my would be, my love language is quality time. Um, so my three words outside of I love you would be here for you. Oh, I love that. that is I'm mushy. <laughs> um, well, this was so lovely having you on the show. How can everyone find you and your work? And yeah, just tell us all of that. All right. Um, well, you can find me everywhere by my name on Instagram. I am I am Aditi Paul. On LinkedIn, I'm Aditi Paul PhD. On Facebook, I'm Aditi.Paul. Please don't add me on Facebook. Facebook is a shit show right now. At least my friends group. There's my ex, my parents, my relatives, my co-workers. Like, I don't know who I'm talking to. That's a party. Nobody was invited to, but everybody came in anyway. Um, but I would love to connect with you on Twitter. It's uh, the same. It's I am Aditi Paul. Paul. And guys, make sure we're going to have all of her socials in the description of this episode. So please follow her. Thank you so much, Aditi, again for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Natasha. And friends, make sure you follow us. We're also on social media. We're at Kinda Dating across the board. I'm at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha.Chandel on TikTok, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. Please tell a friend and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and send us your dating stories and thoughts to kindadating at gmail.com. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kinda Dating is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Kind of Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co-host. Adam Pineless and Karina Uribe are producers. Our opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yannick and K. Daniel Ellis.